course there was God. There were the priests and the merchants as well as the kings. The same actors on the stage beside the artist. But still, in the end, it was the question of who paid for art. After all, it was the age of reason. Two things happened. Industrial revolution and reformation of church. This resulted in a new society with money and power distributed among larger number of people beyond the nobility of the royal families and the elites of church. I shall not go into the microscopic details of this time but take an overview of how art was affected due to this. Until such watershed phenomenon happened in the West, art was always financed by the church. Hence, one thing was clear. The market was defined and was only one, that was the church. The criteria of artworks that qualified the checklists were marked bold and clear. There was no confusion, no dispute about it. Hence, there were legacy of masters grooming proteges to take over the tradition. The change in style was slow and steady, keeping its pace with the changing spirit of the church. But reformation of church destroyed this market. The church in parts of Europe started to shy away from placing mega commissions to the artists. The artists had to rely on portraits of a handful of rich merchants here and there. Some relied on prints that we discussed already in earlier episodes. Of course, getting the appointment as the royal painter meant hitting the bullseye, but hardly few could be as fortunate. Then came the Industrial Revolution. This created a radical change in distribution of wealth in society. Soon emerged the entrepreneurs growing into business magnets with deep pockets. People earned much more than before. In general, large section of the population became rich. They had to spend their money somewhere. They did so on various newfound objects being rolled out by the steaming factories. But this also created a market for the artists hunting for new market. And the market was public. The new patron was not a godfather like some Medici, but the newly wealthy public. So the method now turned into a chaotic display of artworks by the artists often along the road for people to pick up. No more advance payment and assured payment but the free market came to action. The trouble with public was its inability to know what to buy, whom to appreciate, whom to ignore. In this situation, some order was necessary, a kind of guideline or a kind of approving authority. Entered the idea of a body of experts acknowledged and proven already as artists and thinkers of worth by the society. At first, it was just a gathering to explore deeper aspects of art and philosophy and then it turned into a center of teaching art. It was assigned the name Academy, borrowing the ancient Greek lexicon for the arena where Plato taught his students. Its origin was attributed to the Athenian hero Academos. Thus was born the Royal Academy. Hence, the era of Patron and Master was gone. In this academy, they taught the nuances of art and the teachers were the old masters who formed the body of it. They taught in the same way as the earlier tradition. 
Hence, the paintings that rolled out of the academy were like the earlier days. This posed a strange problem. When people bought the artworks, they preferred to buy the works of the masters if they could afford. Why to settle on something unoriginal when the original was available? The Royal Academy realized that art was going to come to a standstill. Hence, to solve the problem, they decided to hold exhibition. In uh, such exhibitions, anybody could have submitted their artworks. If the experts approved, such artworks could be displayed. This resulted in great variety of artworks being exposed to the audience, all approved by the authority of Royal Academy. Hence, the market was forced to accept new styles and subject matters. What was the result? To understand, let us consider three examples. It does not mean that the artists not taken for reference were of no significance. The artists we are going to discuss about are considered because their trajectories can explain the developments better. Let us look at Francisco Goya. He became the court painter of the Spanish crown at the age of 40. Until then, he made his name as a portrait painter for Spanish aristocracy. After the appointment with the royal court, he painted several portraits of the royal family. Out of those, one is particularly interesting. Charles IV of Spain and his family. It is an oil on canvas that he began to paint on 1880. It took him one year to complete the portrait. The portrait features life-size depiction of Charles IV of Spain and his family ostentatiously dressed in fine costumes and jewellery. Look for this painting on the internet and take a close look. Don't they look like a bunch of disjointed, self-satisfied people loaded with burden of pride and unyielding stiffness of manner? Their faces often look like caricature. If you are not convinced, look at a close-up of any of the faces. Perhaps the royal members who appear in the painting missed this angle. He was appreciated and retained on the job. But the interesting part is, he left the mark of disdain and sneer he felt for the aristocracy. All said and done, he did this portrait and many more. So he enjoyed the patronage for many years. But as he grew older, his paintings criticized the royals and the government more loudly. This alienated him slowly from the court. But this did not dry up his earning because outside the court, he always painted images other than portrait. He painted what inspired him, and he was a living legend already due to his portraits of the elites. His paintings had their demand in the market outside the court as well. But the underlying fact is, even during the phase after reformation and when the industrial revolution was on its way, he had a patron. But that was because he was satisfying them by painting their faces and jewels. Now we shall consider the cases of Turner and Constable. They were contemporary and lived in Britain. But what did they paint mainly? The answer is landscape. Before them, there were hardly few names that made their way into the history of art in a big way who painted landscapes. But why? Because landscape did not focus on any person of power and wealth. Common folks bought them, but there was not much of a demand. But these two artists are surviving even this day. How come? Because both lived in England. England was the heart of Industrial Revolution and Royal Academy. People had money and wanted to see the new world on canvas. 
both artists painted landscape and chronicled the effect of industrial revolution on canvas at this point let me pause a little to talk about turner's style and the significance of the paintings he did in my opinion turner's amazing jump across several decades in style would always remain a source of confusion among young emerging artists who end up taking him as an impressionist like van gogh or pissarro let us consider the painting rain steam and speed the great western railway since in a podcast it is not possible to show a painting and talk i shall ask you to hit the internet again and open this painting it is one of the most popular painting by turner there are two curious insights hidden in this painting the first part is the style contrary to the tradition of the day turner painted the whole scene of a train pulled by a steam engine in such a way that none of the elements in the image stands out distinctly with clear outline it is a misty haze and a blend of green black gray blue as well as white through which the vague outline of the steam engine emerges Usually in such a landscape the artists of his time would have painted every grass on the meadow every cloud on the sky and each speck of dust on the metallic surface of the uh, steam engine precisely but no Turner did not instead of separate entities making up the canvas the whole speaks volume Yes it does remind us of the early impressionist paintings a few decades later but we should not confuse them with what turner painted the reasons driving the impressionists to paint that way were not yet born during turner's time paints in tube were still in the process john rand invented the method to pack paints in tubes in 1840 and this painting was done in 1844 paints in tube as commodity in excess of the artists was yet to happen hence we can be sure that turner did not paint this standing right at the spot where the train was rushing past i say this because a sense of urgency pace and chaos engulf our senses when we look at the painting and that was exactly what happens when we look at many impressionist paintings of later days the spirit of the moment shows through the layers of hurriedly applied strokes but no turner could not have done that he had to paint it in house he could not have gone out with his easel and canvas and box of paints and done this painting because during his time paints were often made by the artists themselves and stored safely within the controlled environment of the four walls so what turner painted was a deliberate representation of the spirit of the time His hatred and fear for the industrial revolution appeared like a monster looming large and raising clouds of dust and smoke. He probably wanted to show the signal of a kind of doomsday rushing at mankind. But the irony is the image was taken for exactly the opposite. I shall explain it in a while. You see Turner was definitely not an impressionist. he was an expressionist way ahead of time because expressionism followed impressionism which came several decades after turner i say turner was an expressionist because he wanted to capture the spirit at the expense of the details of the objects as we think we see in real life hence those who take turner for an ideal and at the same time take impressionism as their way must understand that turner was no way an impressionist 
the other aspect is the context this painting explains how important it is to know the context of an artwork without the context an artwork is like a candidate for interview without a biodata so why is this painting so popular of course it is a beautiful piece of art but there was something else too once more think of the title rain steam and speed the great western railway it was 1844 and entire britain was held in thrall of the magic of train travel steam engine transformed the experience of traveling long distance dramatically the pace the massiveness the bellowing smoke the piercing whistle the gnashing of metal against metal captured the fancy of the people as a whole the steam engine and the train were the symbols of pace speed and power and that's exactly what this painting conveys a formidable display of power and motion but but think over will you take a steam engine as the symbol of pace in today's world <laughs> unless i told about it this painting would never have stood for a symbol of speed at any rate no today we shall probably show a rocket for speed even a bullet train may symbolize but not a steam engine well steam engine may look like a symbol of mockery of speed like a 486 computer but those days it was the extreme example of pace that is why this painting is a testimony of the relevance of context in art Of course Turner might not have intended to glorify the whole affair through his painting he wanted to criticize quietly because the location is easily identifiable as a spot 10 miles from which 3 years before some 8 passengers died in a horrible accident so Turner was trying to imbibe the spirit of doom and apocalypse instead of glory but the viewers got it other way round well how does it matter Turner survived the grind of time in the history of art for his amazing depiction. Whatever he wanted to mean doesn't matter, does it? Now, getting back to what we had been discussing, how did Turner and Constable survive? The Royal Academy accepted Turner as a member at a very early age of about 20, and as for Constable too, Royal Academy was the employer. In fact, Constable survived out of his family fortune mainly, not his art. Turner probably lived off his salary as a professor. My point is both artists could afford to paint landscapes which was not exactly the fancy of the market because they had approval of the authority and they had other income. Had they not been accepted by the academy, they would have either painted portraits of the riches or would have vanished into anonymity. This proves the very view I am trying to expound that those who turned the course of art did not make a lot of money or had to often starve but art was propelled mainly by the power of currency of the large part of its journey not passion but who earned money from art yes those who were more of craftsmen following an existing style or tradition but not really the artists Here comes the end of the period after which the tectonic shifts began. The rumble of an advancing wave was already in the air that was soon to sweep the world of art of its fate. 
मॉडर्न आर्ट वॉज अराउंड द कॉर्नर